Thank you, Voices of Lakeshore. What a, what a powerful reminder of the strength we have through Christ. Thank you. The scripture for this morning comes from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. An Easter story. I invite you to turn with me in the pew Bibles in front of you. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and then on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them the apostles, an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Let us pray. God, as we gather to worship as you, as we meditate on your word. Teach us your ways. Amen. It's the second Sunday after Easter. Well, the first Sunday after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter. If you walked by outside and saw the, the little marquee, um, Jim made sure that it was written on there, Easter is a season, not a day. So we're still in the Easter season. The celebration continues, but, but the initial party that we experienced last week, that's over. I, uh, look around. The, uh, the pews are a little more sparsely filled than they were last week. You may notice uh, a few people's clothes may be slightly less pressed. Uh, even our fearless leader didn't bother to come to worship. I mean, <laughs> now, now he's doing very important work for the Alliance of Baptists, and he's visiting his very sick mother, so he's doing important work. But, but the Sunday after Easter, there's just a little bit of a, not quite all the excitement of last week is here. Not quite all the all the new clothes and the sparkle and the baptism and the, the, the fervor, the excitement of Easter, it's not quite here, but, but the season of Easter continues. And I ask you this question on the Sunday after, Isha, after Easter, now that we're back in worship, now that we're back to our busy lives and all the things we were doing before the preparations of Easter. Has anything changed? Has your life been altered in any way 
because you've experienced Easter. Even if the excitement can't last, is your life different? It's a question I can't answer for you, and, and perhaps throughout the weeks ahead, you can ponder how you might answer it for yourselves. Um, of course, after Easter, we continue living our lives. But if during Easter, or if at any other point in your life, you have encountered the risen Christ, the one who has power over death, the one who brings forth new life even in the midst of dire situations, the one who continues to teach, to heal, to touch, to guide, to forgive, for, to love, if you have encountered the risen Christ, this will affect you. This will change your life. This will alter your existence. I hope that each one of you has had the opportunity at some point and will continue to have opportunities to encounter the risen Christ who changes our lives. The women in the passage of scripture we read encountered not physically the risen Christ, they encountered angels who gave them a powerful message, but, but they encountered the power of God, the power of life over death. And what did they do? They go to the tomb, the tomb is empty, they're confused, they're grief-stricken, they're sorrowful, they, they can't make out what's happening. The angels come and say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is risen. Remember, he told you this, and they get it. They encounter in that moment the risen Christ. And their response is to run out and tell someone, not because that's what they were supposed to do, not because they were good little Christians and that's what you do as a good little Christian, you run out and tell everyone about God. They did what they did because they had to do it. They needed to do it. They had this powerful moment and they, they had to go out and share it. And so they went out and shared it. And, and what happened? Well, they met, they met up with uh, some of the men and they tried to explain to the men what had happened. And and 11 of the 12 ridiculed them. They laughed. They said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? One of them was so moved by their story, maybe by the hope, the hope against hopes that it was true, that he ran back to see what happened for himself, and he had his own experience. The women had a radical, life-transforming experience, and they told people they knew. And you know what? It didn't matter what people's response was. It didn't matter if they all ran and believed or if they all ended up laughing or if some did or if some didn't. They had a radical experience and they had to go out and share it. It's what they needed to do. What these women did in the gospel story today, what 
I would guess if any one of us were there and had this experience that they had, we would also do, was to share their stories with others. In the words of preparation in your bulletin, and I don't have a bulletin, but in the words of preparation in your bulletin, you will find Dr. Jeff Johnson's six evangelism styles. According to Dr. Jeff Johnson of National Ministries, ABC USA, what these women did was evangelize. What they did was they told their story. They gave their testimony. They shared with others the fact that they had met the risen Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but being a lifelong church attender, I have heard a lot about evangelism over the years. Some of it has been helpful. A lot of it has been guilt-inducing, such that the word evangelism is not, not a common one for me. Yeah, I, I see you shaking your head. That's, that's kind of been my response, and I imagine it hasn't been everyone's. So if it hasn't, let me share my story. But what if what these women did was evangelism because they simply had an experience with God and they shared it with others? What if evangelism is not meant to be guilt-inducing? What if sharing with others the good news of the gospel wasn't something that we're obligated to do as Christians so much as what we need to do simply because we've had this amazing experience? What if evangelism isn't something that forces us out of our comfort zone because God wants us to become more than comfortable? What if evangelism is a comfortable way, a way that works for us, a way that rings true for us to share with others that we too have encountered the one who has power over death, the one who can bring forth life even in the direst of situations. That's the type of evangelism I could get behind. I wouldn't even have to change the word to witness so I could feel comfortable with it. I, I could be happy being an evangelist. And so I want to go through these six evangelism styles uh, by Jeff Johnson. They were actually printed in a flyer from National Ministries um, in your bulletins on Palm Sunday. So if they look familiar to you, that's why. They, they caught my eye and they were so refreshing. I just, I wanted to spend a few minutes going through each of these styles of evangelism. Now, now there is the assertive, the I want to tell you about God, preach it from the street corner, be in front of a rally and do the Billy Graham thing style of evangelism. And, and that's, 
that's good and that's fine and if that's what you've been called to do, I commend you. There's also the storyteller. Something happened to me and you're not going to believe it. I, I, I can't believe it. I, I got to tell you about it. That's, that's evangelism. And then there's the analytical or the apologetic style of evangelism, the reasoning and the debating. And, and as I read this style, I immediately thought of my father. My father has spent his career in higher education. He's been a professor. He's been an academic dean. And it is impossible to ask him an intelligent question and to get an answer less than 20 minutes. It's impossible. I mean, I, I, I love him dearly, but he has to tell you when you ask him everything he knows. And he knows a lot because he spent a lot of time figuring things out. I mean, he can't, he can't not lecture. He can't not talk. That's, that's who he is. And, and when he applies this ability to instruct, to teach, with the fact that he's encountered the risen Christ, then he's evangelizing. It's, it's, this is the style that, that Lakeshore has always, well, always, since I've been here, struggled with. It wants to have a nice tight little one-hour worship service, and it has four pastors on staff. It lets us each talk, and it thinks that we can keep all of our comments to only one hour. I mean, evangelism is what you cannot not do. What if I encouraged you all to go out into the world and to share what you've experienced of God in your own way, in a way comfortable to you, but in a way that lets others know all about the Easter story. We also have here the relational method of evangelism. Simply being a friend to someone can be used to share with others the love of God. When, when new members, when new visitors come to Lakeshore and they're welcomed, we're doing what we need to be doing. When we walk down the street and we see strangers and we don't ignore them, but we pause to smile or make eye contact, we're doing what we need to be doing. Then there's the invitational method. The, the come and see. You can tell others about God simply by saying, I, I, want, you to, I want you to come and I want you to come and see something. I, I want you to come experience what I've experienced. I, I have to lift up, I know none of them are here, but I have to lift up um, the teenagers and commend them because they are so good at the invitational method. They are. We had a snow trip and half the people there were friends of the youth. I mean, they, they wanted to have a great snow trip, and they knew that if they wanted a lot of people there, there weren't going to be enough if just the youth group came. I mean, they invited their friends because it's what they needed to do to have a really big, a really fun snow trip. And so they invited their friends, and they were witnessing. 
I mean, and they, they told their friends they would have to listen to me talk, and, and they told their friends that they would have to participate in the worship service, but, but they brought friends to come and have a good time, and the word of God went out without them having to introduce themselves to someone sitting next to them on an airplane and talk for the next two hours about how God had changed their life. No, in a way comfortable to them, the word of God went out. Finally, there's the incarnational method. The, uh, what I like to call at Lakeshore, the hunger task force method. The uh, where is need and how can I help out method. And I say hunger task force and there are a handful of people that are part of the hunger task force committee, but really, there's no one in the church life that has not been touched by, has not been invited to, probably has not done something to help the Hunger Task Force, whether you bought a present, whether you sponsored a person walking around the lake, whether you saw someone on the street who was asking you for food and you sent them to the church because there's food at the church. Um, the Hunger Task Force method is something that so many people in so many teeny, teeny, tiny ways have done something small to share with others the love of God. The invitational method of evangelism. I don't know what method, what style of evangelism works best for you. I don't know what you're comfortable with, but I encourage each and every one of you, if you have encountered the God of Easter, Continue to do what you need to do, what you cannot not do, so that others can encounter God as well. Now, when I think through all these different styles of evangelism, all these different really natural, really comfortable ways people do what needs to be done, simply because it needs to be done and powerful things happen, I, I can't help but think of mothers. Not mothers, not mothers. I can't help but think of people who mother. People who are mothering. Maybe it's because I've recently encountered a number of people who have gone so far above and beyond the call of duty where I would have thrown up my hands and been so fed up with someone and they, and they stuck in there and they continued to love, to teach, to discipline. I've seen so many people mothering and, and, and I should say first when I talk about mothering, I talk about it, well, in the sense of uh, Women's History Month, we can all learn from mothering in the sense that mothering doesn't have to do so much with physically giving birth. I, I, I don't know much about that, and I get that half of you can never have that experience, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about birthing someone. I'm talking about mothering. Mothering in the biblical sense. Mothering like Naomi, who when her daughter-in-law Ruth stuck with her, she did everything in her power to take care of Ruth. Mothering like the God of Israel who refused 
to give up on the people of Israel no matter how blasphemous they were. Mothering like scripture uses as a mother bear who protects her cubs or, or mothering like a mother eagle who, who feeds her children. All these images of God mothering or, or mothering like Jesus who called out to the people around him and said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to, to gather you in my arms like a mother hen gathering her children. If Jesus can mother, then we can mother too, okay? So, so I hope you all feel a part of what it means to mother, and, and, and maybe that's what you've been called to do, and, and maybe it hasn't. Mothering like the father of the prodigal son who stood at his doorstep waiting for his child to return, not knowing if his child would ever return, but kept waiting and waiting and anticipating and preparing and not giving up. Mothering is a powerful, powerful way to share with others the love of God by simply doing what needs to be done. I have a story I want to share with you of a post-Easter encounter of two mothers. Okay, let's, let's revert back to, to the time of our gospel story, and, and we know that there were a few women who had this transformative experience, but they weren't the other ones. There were other nameless women. Uh, perhaps these were two of the women in, in that group of women. Listen to their story. Long ago, so old legends relate, two mothers once met at an old city gate. By the look in your eyes, said one to the other, I can see that you too must have once been another, must have once been a mother. And by the blue tinted veil on your hair, you too have known sorrow and deepest despair. Ah, oh, yes, she replied, I once had a son, a sweet little lad full of laughter and fun. But tell of your child. Oh, I knew he was blessed from the moment I first held him close to my breast, and my heart nearly burst with the joy of that day. Ah, yes, said the other. I felt the same way. The former continued the first steps he took, so eager and breathless, the sweet startled look which came over his face, he trusted me so. Ah, yes, said the other, I felt the same glow. How often I shielded and spared him from pain when he, for others, was so cruelly slain. When they crucified him and spat in his face, how gladly I would have hung in his place. A moment of silence. Oh, then you are she, the mother of Christ, and she fell to one knee. But the Blessed One raised her up, drawing her near, kissed from the cheek of the woman a tear. Tell me the name of your son that you loved so that I may share with you your grief and woe. She lifted her eyes, looking straight at the other. He was Judas Iscariot. I am his mother. Not all mothers who do such important and powerful work, not all people who mother get to watch the people that they work with grow up to be wonderful. Some painfully have to watch 
them make the wrong choices, them refuse to return home. Mothering is not easy, whether you have to watch a child suffer because of others or because of their own choices. But if you're called to be a mother, you do what needs to be done. Like the women at the tomb who encountered the risen Christ, they did what needs to be done. It's not always easy, but it doesn't have to be radically uncomfortable either. In the poem, we hear of the mother of Christ and the mother of Judas Iscariot, and quite frankly, we know very, very little about either women, but let's suppose that both of them did the type of mothering that the Bible examples. Let's suppose both of them did everything they could. They did everything that needed to be done. They don't have control over their children's choices, but they were called to mother. Like us, when we share with others our encounter of the risen Christ, we don't have control of how anyone will receive us. Whether we invite them and they say no, whether we lecture them and they fall asleep, whether we tell them our story and they don't seem to care, whether we love them and love them and love them and they refuse to accept our love. We don't have control over how people will, will react, but we are called. If we've encountered the Christ of Easter, the risen Lord, the power of God, we are called to do what needs to be done in our own way, to share with others our experience, to tell others what we've learned, to love because someone needs loved regardless of what we get in exchange. On this second Sunday of Easter, I encourage each of you to embrace the calling of God, to be witnesses, to evangelize, to share with others the good news of the gospel in your own way, in a way that's comfortable to you, in a way that rings true to what you have experienced, in a way that is true to what you know. Let's let others know about the helpful, healing, renewing, transforming power of God in the wake of Easter. If you indeed have encountered the risen Christ, let us share this with others. Amen. <laughs>